What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. Are the Falcons exciting again? Kalal and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky ass hijinks and analysis presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Adam, how's it going, sir? You know what, Graham? It's, you know, I've been better, actually. You've been better? I came down with a little fever this week. Mm. Started Friday afternoon. Just came out of nowhere. Started to feel the fever. I was like, huh, I haven't felt that in, I don't know, four, five, six years. Long time. Yes. It's sort of like when Luke calls Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope, and he's like, Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Oh, sure. He's hiding on his Ben Kenobi. Gotcha. Which is stupid because it's like, put Kenobi, Kenobi. It's like, yeah, we're going to go talk to the guy who's registered as Kenobi, regardless of what he says his first name is. You lost me on that reference, Graham. A little bit of a plot hole, but it's okay. Anyways, you're experiencing something you haven't felt in a long time. Correct. Long time. And that fever would be Falcon's fever. Oh. Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> you look so proud of yourself. I wish everyone could see that. I'm just smiling. It's like Falcons. He was smiling over there, like he's uh, just told the greatest joke in the world. Uh, and I guess it was. Oh, thank you, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes. Yeah. Uh, audience of one, and I got a laugh. So cool. But uh, yeah, man, uh, that Falcons preseason game Friday just really got me going enough. I also feel that fever around town. You know. Uber drivers, co-workers, uh, friends. Sure. Everyone's talking about a preseason game. Yeah, you haven't heard that in a while. No. What it, did uh, what Keisha have to say? PSL holder. Haven't talked to her about it oh, yet. Oh, okay. But uh, I look forward to it at some point sure. in time. But it's just, uh, we've been squawking about it ever since, like, you know, we officially turned the page over from Matt Ryan to this new era. There, there, there just are some really exciting young pieces. And for me, what really did it was that Mariota first drive where mm-hmm. he scores on like a 10 yard bootleg and it's just like seeing mobility out of a quarterback which is really what arthur smith's offense needs it's just like really refreshing well i think one of the things i kind of and l- let me preface this by saying like yeah i was excited watching the game too um but I also realized it's pre it's a one preseason game against the freaking lions for christ's sake um so i'm not going to go insane with praise or be very effusive but I will say the one thing I haven't thought about as much because we haven't we haven't thought about this since you know the mid two thousands is uh, a quarterback with mobility and how that can offset an offensive line's deficiencies a little bit because he has you know with with Mariota with Ritter they have the ability to get the snap roll outside the pocket and buy themselves a, you know an extra half second, second, second and a half, maybe even two. And then they can, you know, both those guys also made the decision to tuck and run pretty fast when they wanted to, like on plays that weren't designed for them to run. So it was, it was weird seeing that it was cool. But it's something I haven't really thought about in terms of evaluating the Falcons as much, because I'm just not used to seeing that. Cause we haven't seen that, like I said, since the Mike Vick era. So, um, but yeah, that first drive was cool. And it was, um, it was just something else watching a mobile quarterback actually be successful you know again it was against the lions i do think there is something to learning how to win in the preseason or just getting you know some confidence going through your team well particularly with a young team that doesn't really have a defined core right like if you just slog through four preseason games get your asses kicked don't put up any points like i don't know how you can believe in yourself that you're going to be able to do it and just flip the switch 
come week one. And you saw that all the time in the Dan Quinn era. Exactly. All right. So that was good to see. Um, also, the way that Ritter handled the end of both halves with the you know little two-minute drill action to score touchdowns mm-hmm. at the end of each half, that was awesome to see. Yeah. And uh, you could kind of see him also learning from his mistakes. I think that was in the fourth – I can't remember if that was the end of the first half or end of the game where there's kind of a BS. He threw a pick. Then there's kind of a BS pass interference call or roughing the quarterback, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back and instantly throws a touchdown right after that. Yeah. Um, you know, Coach Coach Smith's always squawking about how, you know, he wants his he wants his guys to learn from failure. And that's what he wants to see. He's okay with you failing, but if you don't learn from it, that's when he's got issues. Sure. So sure. that's my my Arthur Smith impression, I guess. Um you gotta work on that a little bit. <laughs> Not a bad first attempt. Yeah, just very monotone, low. Yeah. He didn't sound as depressed as it normally sounds. He's, he's sounded less depressed now once they've gotten to the preseason. But I remember, like, during the Deshaun Watson courtship, uh, he sounded like he was just, like, on, you know, death row or something. I was like, Jesus, this guy, he looks awful. He sounds awful. Well, you got to think, last year he's, like, it's the pressures of being a first-year head coach. It's not his team. He, like, you know, he, he drafted, what, seven rookies. But that's about it. Beyond that, it's Dan Quinn's. Sure shitty team yeah and now like he's kind of like you know you you can see the direction they're going with this thing there's a lot more um i don't know i I saw multiple touchdowns where you know the guy catches it and just like tosses the ball back to the ref it's like just a little more recognition of you know we've been here before we're supposed to be doing this we're not going to celebrate a touchdown in preseason when we're down 38 to 2 or anything like that right you know, it's um, you know, it's a it's a good change of pace. Yeah, they definitely have, and we saw this last year. I mean, say what you will about the Falcons team last year; they had no business winning seven games. They overachieved, and I think a good amount of credit is due to Arthur Smith for instilling, you know, a, a backbone in his in his team, unlike what Dan Quinn had done. The Falcons won a lot of games last year that they probably should have lost. They didn't really. They also didn't like. We do the classic Atlanta choke in a lot of. I think there were like two that we did, that, that where that happened. But I remember like the uh, the last Dan Quinn year, we blew like seven or eight games. Or no, we lost eight games by like less than a touchdown or something. And it was just like it could never finish. Like this team, like even though they never really beat a good team last year, other than the Saints, I guess who were okay, they finished when they when the, when they were playing a team that they could or should beat. And so it was, you know, there's just been, you can see that the mindset, the, the worm is turning for the mindset of the Falcons. And we saw that again with, with um, you know, I loved the call, uh, you know, the last play of um, the drive that with the game-winning touchdown, where it was like fourth and seven or something. We were down, what, three? And I was like, yeah, we could kick the field goal and go to the overtime, I guess, for a preseason game. But fuck it. You know, let's see if we can uh, get the first down. And second, the first down, they, they won. Ritter rolls out of the pocket, throws it to Benkert. Yes. Yeah, I mean, never heard of this guy before Before that night. He makes this great catch. He reminded me of like a little Wes Welker or Hunter Renfro or something. He's definitely in that, that ilk. But he's making this jumping catch, and he's got this DB all over him who's like already on top of him before he even gets the ball and somehow fights through it and makes the catch on a really nicely thrown ball. It was just refreshing to see. That doesn't happen to the Falcons. Yeah, I mean the quarterback knew if he he doesn't it doesn't need to be a perfect pass, just throw it up there, and good things can happen. Right, you know, 
um, no, it was it was great to see. Be- beyond that, like, did anything in particular really pop out at you that made you excited? Quadri Allison um, in the first half looked looked good. He was bursting through the line, man. He had a couple of really nice runs. I think he finished with thirty three carries on, or not thirty three carries. Excuse me, thirty three yards on five carries. So that's a little over six yards a carry. And uh, he stood out to me a lot. I also liked what I saw from. Uh, our friend from Western Kentucky, the rookie uh, D'Angelo Malone, had three nice tackles, um, and they were, I think they were almost all on, on the run. Did a good job of keeping his man in front of him, not letting the, the, the running back you know, really bust a big one when the, the, the run came to his side. Um, so those were the two guys that stood out to me. And I don't know what to expect from Quadrialis, and I heard nothing about him in, in uh, training camp so far, but it was, it was nice to see him do something um, especially being used not just in short yardage situations like he like he has been in the past. He was, you know, being a feature back there. And uh, it, was, it was nice to see. And he was running with a lot of speed, the speed we haven't really seen. I know he's battled some injuries, so maybe, you know, anybody in that, that running back um, room has a chance to be a significant contributor. So it's not just going to be the Cordell Patterson show. He's probably going to play a little more receiver this year. So it was good to see him. Tyler Algier had, you know, three carries for 25 yards, looked pretty solid like none of the running backs got like an extended look but you know he, he had a huge blitz pickup on that final play oh did he make a block there yeah i remember someone did that and yep. i couldn't remember that who, was algier, uh, that so was algier. Cool. you gotta love seeing that out of a rookie yes that's big so um, damian williams is gonna get a lot of play out of there as well so it just gives us so much more flexibility that we have like real options yeah. in the backfield and then there's a guy um who i saw a lot making tackles whose name I didn't know the, uh, the first name at the time. I thought I kept seeing Alfred, and it was a cornerback uh, number. And I was like, is Robert Alfred back on the team? I was like, what the hell is going on? He yeah. doesn't look like him. D. Alfred. D. Alfred. Yeah, I think he wound up like seven or eight tackles. I mean, he was all over the place, man, making play. And uh, I know he's a guy um, who also had the pick. And he's also someone who's fighting for one of the final roster spots, I believe. So I uh, heard nothing about him before this game. So. People are just coming up all over the place, man, playing a lot of energy, a lot of fire. Still had some deficiencies, you know, on the offensive line. Uh, Jalen Mayfield looks like absolute trash still. He's yeah. not a starter, though. That's that's the good news. That is the good news, but still, like, good God, We've man. replaced him with a veteran. Yeah. Yeah, he's rough. It wasn't great to see Jake Matthews. Oh, that goes in the first quarter. Get embarrassed by uh, the Lions' second overall pick there. But um, I don't know if you saw the tape on Evacati. I didn't really see like I didn't notice him. I watched like some like someone like put together like an extended uh just tape of him on every single play. Dude was all over the quarterback. Great. Like he, he didn't act, like he never actually got to the quarterback. Yeah. But he was disrupting every single play he was on the field. Mm-hmm. That's awesome to That's, see. That is great. Um, I know you're a defensive line guy. I am and, and you're good after the quarterback he's guy. He's one of the guys that we're gonna rely on to create pressure on the on the quarterback this year, so that's that was nice to see. Drake London got hurt. Do we know like the timeline on him? He's probably gonna miss the game this week. It sounds like they're not expecting it to be extensive. But yeah, I would think he'd probably miss this preseason game just to be cautious. Anyways. Yeah, there's but, no reason to. It's not serious. It's not yeah. long term. Had a good catch. I think he only had one catch, but it was it was nice. It was like a 20 yard catch or something. Showed some good speed, good hands. Um, it's a shame he couldn't get couldn't stay out there. But yeah, you don't want to risk your number one overall pick um, in the first game of the preseason if he gets hurt, take him out. So it's a knee injury. Yeah, hopefully it's not too. He's not out too long and. I hope he can play in the third preseason game. I think there's only three preseason games now. 
Correct. So it would be really nice if you could get back out there for the last uh, last game of the preseason. But, yeah, so good stuff overall. 27-23 victory for the Falcons. And uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens next week. But it was uh, definitely very, very refreshing to watch a Falcons team in the preseason really, really battle and and try to establish themselves. And you, you see, you see the progress here, like we talked about, um, particularly with the mentality of this team and the poise of uh, Desmond Ritter. It was nice to see. Now we're not going to anoint anybody and say, "Oh my God, like this team's a playoff contender now" or whatever. It's one game against a preseason once again against the Lions, but there's nothing wrong with being encouraged by what we're seeing. UGA fans are really freaking out about the fact that Troy Anderson he did not play, but he didn't travel with the team. So, but why? Calm down, UGA. But why? I think it was like some. It, it's not like he wasn't just ready. They made it seem as if there was like something personal going on. Oh, uh, okay. So From what I saw, right? But uh, yeah, like they're really gonna just not get over the fact that we didn't draft. What's the dude that Arthur yelled at us about uh, for like 15 minutes? N'Kobe Dean. N'Kobe Dean, yeah. It was a lot longer than that. <laughs> uh, it was edited down to be about 15 minutes, but he, he did not. He was uh, he was on the war, war path there. Yeah. No, I mean, N'Kobe Dean had a good preseason game. A couple highlights. But, uh, you know, let's see Troy Anderson play first before we sure. completely freak out. I would still say on paper that was not the, the right move in that situation when you had him there. But whatever. Yeah, we you know can't do anything about it now. We'll see how it works out. And uh, hopefully he plays in the game Monday night, Adam, against the New York Jets. Prime time, baby. Falcons on ESPN Monday Night Football. 8 o'clock Monday night. Oh, that's going to be a must-watch for us Yes, while we're in New, New York. York. Yes, hey, we're in New York. Lake Placid. Yeah, doing a big uh, Atlanta Zone show out there. Correct. <laughs> Monday night preseason at the Galvins. They're going to be all over that. Yes, yes. So that's exciting. I do love football, so I mean. Against the Jets? Yeah. Wow. It's too bad we're not playing the Eagles. That would be nice. Yeah. We definitely, it'd definitely be a, a must-watch for the Galvins. Oh, isn't that... Is it uh, Dean on the Eagles? I can't remember if he's on the Eagles or somebody. Uh, I, I think he is. I think it's Dean and uh, what's his face, the big D tackle as well. Uh, Fletcher. No. Uh, <laughs> from from UGA. Oh, from UGA. Yeah, I can't Rookie. remember his name. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Sorry, we don't know about college football. Yeah, Sorry, Arthur. I know you're screaming yeah. right now. Apologies. Yeah, I could picture the kid. Apologies, future Arthur. But I cannot put a name on him. Right. We don't. Yeah, we don't watch college. No. And. After that, we play the Jaguars. We play the Jaguars every preseason, it feels like. Um, that'll be the last game of the preseason on the 27th of August. And then we flip the calendar, and it is Sunday, September 11th, against New Orleans to open the season. That's coming up, man. Yeah, right around the corner. Less That's than wild. a month. Less than a month. Let's get after it. I'm excited. Yeah. So what are you looking for against the Jets? Just more of the same, more high effort, high energy you want Ritter to take more snaps? you want Mariota to take more snaps? What's your... Yeah, I mean, I think I'd like to... I mean, second preseason game, I'd like to see more of a 50-50 split. Give Mariota the whole first half and uh, Ritter the second half. Yeah. I want that offensive line to get more than one series. They need to get more series. Yeah, they need to gel some more for sure. So that would be be nice to see. I want to see some more pressure on the quarterback for sure. I'd like to see also a running back in particular to get more of a run than um, another run. Like first half, 
first half and second half, like let's let's give more handoffs to guys. Let's just see what we're working with here. Um, because I think there's a lot of good talent in that in that room, and it's time to start seeing who's going to really emerge as someone who deserves more touches. Um, but the only way we're going to see that is I think if guys can get into a little bit of a rhythm and, and build some momentum. Did you see going back to college football and getting pissed off about not drafting someone? Remember Punt God? Yes, remember Punt God. Like Matt Areza, I believe is yes, his name. Yes, I know you have a, a shrine to him. He had an 85-yard punt in his first preseason Holy game in the NFL. Christ. Yeah. Should have dropped, you know, forget about uh, Drake London. Should have dropped that first-round pick on uh, Punt God. You know what, you, you could argue it, I think. You can't argue drafting to, a to just punter. completely change field position every single time. Yes, but you also want to get yourself in a position where you're not having to punt that much. Like punting should be like a last resort. You don't want to blow a first round pick on a punter. Now, if you said this guy is like the punter of the of his generation and could really change the game, he's Ray Guy. Maybe you draft him in the sixth round at the earliest. But I'm not drafting any any punter before the sixth round. Well, wait till you see this guy punt. As soon as you see him, like, first time, I, I can't remember what team he's on, maybe like Oakland or something like that. As soon as you see him, you just be like, damn. We really missed out. Yeah. He could single-handedly win you a game. I think that's worth a first-round pick. Okay. I'm glad you're not the general manager of the Falcons, that's for sure. It's like something Thomas Dimitrov might, might try and pull. Although he's not a skill position player, so excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you got to get the fans excited sometimes. That's important as well. Yeah. Punter yeah, people, people really love going to games for punters. Yep. That gets it done every time. But it is interesting, the buzz, like the radio buzz, uh, the press, Twitter. People are, are just so much – it feels like – and it's not – I don't think it's the thing where it's like, we're, you know, getting rid of Matt Ryan is doing that to people. I'm sure some people feel like that. But I think it's like doing that was more than just getting rid of Matt Ryan. It was a symbolic gesture of this is the next generation of, of Falcons. Um, you know, dra- even though I still don't like the London pick um, at eight when your offensive line, defensive line suck, but it's like, you know, you're getting a new receiver, you know, um, a top prospect receiver. You're, you're, you're drafting a new quarterback in the third round who's got championship pedigree. Not that he's won championship, but he's, you know, playing the college football playoff last year and sort of helped resurrect the Cincinnati Bearcat program. Um, you know, you're drafting – you know, you're trying to remake your linebacking core and your defensive line, and you're building off some goodwill from last year where the team overachieved. So it's like people are, I don't know, I think people are going to be more invested in this Falcons team than they probably have been since 2017. Yeah, I agree. And let's just like really hope the first month we show some heart and sneak out a couple wins so we don't instantly lose the fans. Right. And it's not even a thing. Like for me, I don't even care about the win-loss total as much as I care about just seeing that that effort. Because as long as that effort is there, that means Arthur Smith has a locker room, that means guys believe in him, and that means he believes in them. And there's a mutual symbiotic relationship going on that will you know, hopefully lead us to greatness down the road. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding, Adam. And if the team continues to play well, not just win, but play hard, then that, that's really all I want to see this year. I'd like to talk about punters a little more, Graham. Sure. Did, did you <laughs> did you see? So Lane Kiffin 
America's hero. Head coach of Ole Miss. The Rebels, I believe. He's coached everywhere, it feels like, at this point. He's moving back up, though. Remember, he was at the top, and then he like dropped way down to like Florida Atlantic or some crap. I know. I feel like, I feel like college has passed him around like he's a venereal disease yeah, or something. He, he went to assistant. Now he's head coach again. Blah, 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 blah. He's yeah. at Ole Miss now. They needed a punter. They went to just like frat row. Yeah. And started asking around. He might want to punt. And they ended up finding some dude that like used to punt, and now he's their starting punter. Okay. Punters drive storylines, Graham. I'm going to watch Ole Miss football to see this frat guy. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. All right. So right. I'll hold you to that. When you forget about this in two weeks, I want to remind you about it. Yep. Proof's in the pudding, Graham. Proof is in the pudding. Whatever you say, Captain. Well, I think that's our Falcons coverage for this week. We look forward to the game Monday against the Jets. 8 o'clock ESPN. I'm sure it'll also be locally broadcast somewhere. So look around online. I'm sure you'll be able to find a way to watch it if you don't have access to the four-letter network. All right. We're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our friends from DraftKings. Football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, the first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFL Players Association. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now, sign up with promo code TPPN, click the Rainmakers tile, and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. The promo code is TPPN. Build, play, win. Only at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent on type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, Adam, and we are back. Uh, we're going to take a quick, not even a break, we just took a break for the, the DraftKings ad, but we're going to answer some some fan mail real quick, Adam. What? A uh, digital digital fan mail. From our old friend Hugo. <laughs> All right, this is news and, to me. And this is based off of what you were just talking about a, uh, a few minutes ago. Some poor, and this is from Hugo, some poor soul used proof is in the pudding tonight, inspired by our friends at Atlanta Zone. I promptly hijacked the conversation and dove into etymology. This was the outcome. Cakes and bread called pudding in Old English. Putting dough in oven at low heat before baking is proofing the dough, in quotes, proofing. That's when it rises. Rising is critical to success of good bread. In parentheses, pudding. The proof is in the pudding. Thoughts? Question mark. That is way too long of an entomology. You, I, I started drifting. I was about to say, did you lose interest in that? I did. I did. Okay. Did, did you have any thoughts on it? I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm reading this again in my head. And... Um, it makes sense that putting the dough in the oven at low heat proofs it, and that causes it to rise. There's nothing really to argue about this, but now we know the origin 
of this saying that I frequently ever use because I'm so limited mentally, I guess. I've got a better origin story for you, Graham. Okay. Close but no cigar. Yes, tell me that one. So that was back in the day at carnivals. They used to give out cigars uh, as prizes. So the old carny would be back there if you throw in the dart or whatever at a balloon and you miss. And it's like, oh, close, but no cigar. I see. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other stupid sayings like that. None come to mind. There's only two that are out there. Yeah, basically. I mean, can of corn, but that's not really a saying. Well, you know, <laughs> that comes from Adam. We had the old. Uh, they had a guy with the apron would stand up on the ladder at the convenience mart and knock the can of corn to his apron to take it somewhere else. That's what I caught. And it was easy. He caught it in his apron. That's, that's a can of corn. I believe it was off a high shelf, Graham. High shelf, whatever. All right, we've lost all our listeners. Let's actually talk about some baseball okay, before we God. lose more. Yes, yes, yes. And um, let's talk about the Braves, Adam. Seven-game winning streak for the Braves, who were considered to be dead after getting their butts kicked by the Mets. Promptly sweep the Red Sox, promptly sweep Miami, and then beat the bejesus out of the Mets last night, 13-1, to off the strength of Von Grissom, Ronald Acuna, Michael Harris, Contreras, Darno. Everybody was contributing. Yeah, once again, I don't know where to start with this team. Uh, that was, I mean, winning both of those games in Boston was awesome. Yeah. Von Grissom is, you know... He's hitting over 400 to start his major league career. He scored a run in every single game. Eight runs. It's ridiculous. No all one's, over the place. No one's uh, some crazy stat where no one scored five runs in their first five games since like 1900 or something, something crazy like that. He's already got two home runs, two doubles, three walks, four RBI, 1.3110 OPS, and has hit 429 according to our good friend David Bryan at the Athletic. Um, yeah, he's been awesome. He's putting amazing at-bats together. That at-bat on Sunday in the ninth inning, was I believe that was Sunday. Yes. Where he it was like a 13-14 pitch at-bat. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it's not like he's just up there flailing away. Yep. And then, you know, Money Mike Harris continues to do his thing. Hit that huge opposite field home run to tie the game on Sunday um, on a 99-mile-an-hour fastball in, in Miami, Marlins Park, which is just, you know, notoriously a pitcher's park. I continue to just be unbelievably impressed by what he's doing. I know everybody's talking about Grissom, and for good reason. He's he's taken the, the world by storm so far. But Michael Harris has been up here for a while. And one thing that I think is really interesting comparing last year to this year, last year it was the trades that really helped us succeed, you know, with Jack Peterson, Rosario Soler. It's been all, and Duvall, of course. But this year it's been all about the prospects and Strider, Harris, and Grissom. Kudos once again to Alex Anthopoulos and his brilliant scouting team and minor league development folks um, all up and down the board. I mean, these are guys that haven't even hit AAA in Harris and, and Grissom, and they're just playing so well and providing such a spark. And at the at the right time, too, because now, you know, that seven-game lead the Mets had seemed insurmountable. Now now it's only down to four and a half, and, and they're in our, you know, they're in our ballpark for three more games. You have a chance to, to kick their ass some more and really make this a division race again. And we're, we're probably going to argue again here, but I keep going back. Like, the more I watch Michael Harris play, like, I do feel like he is almost underappreciated a little bit. Like, he's not talked about as much as Grissom is right now, I guess, just because Grissom's the new... Yes, he's the new guy, yeah. The new hot thing right now. But you're right. Yeah, last year was old guys. This year, young guys. And 
I think it was Anthopolis talking about it with the athletic, how these young guys are ready to go. Like the spotlight isn't too big for them, but they're balancing, like, are they stunting their development by bringing them up here? And one of the things Anthopolis says was just like, well, they don't really have like the same pressure that they could have on them right now because they're batting eighth and ninth. Mm-hmm. It's like the expectations are lower batting that low. Hence, like, the not bumping Harris up to, like, second, like you've been pushing for for a I while. I don't think second, but I think hitting him fifth. I mean, he's he's got power, man. He's, he's, he does, but it's but, working. Yeah, it's working. I just think I want to hit him to get more at-bats than Eddie Rosario. But, Even though Rosario's done decently in the last, you know, two and a half weeks or so. But still, it's like Mike, Michael Harris is a game-changer up there, man. I want his speed. I want his power. I, I, I want his ability to make contact. I want him getting more at bats. So you're not concerned at all about him having added pressure by being higher up if in the lineup. If he does, then you make an adjust. If it, like two weeks it doesn't work, you make an adjustment. I mean, I think he's been up here long enough. He's been up here since May. He's played in like sixty games or more than that. Um, over seventy games at this point. Like, it's, let's let's bump him up. Let's bump him up. I also think um, it doesn't even have to be like an extreme bump up, but I mean. Just hit him sixth. Hit him behind Contreras. I think the Braves are listening to me, Adam. I really think they are. I said, put Strider in the rotation. You fought me on that forever. I said, get rid of Will Smith. I said, call up Michael Harris when our defense sucks so much. And then I also said, bench Marcelo Zuna, and he has not been playing nearly as much recently. Thank God. It is great to see. So tonight's lineup, you know, it's so fitting that in Florida he was batting eighth. Like, that must have been a wake-up call for Mr. Ozuna there. And then he doesn't play the first game of the Mets. And then tonight, have you seen the lineup for tonight's game? I have game? not seen the lineup for tonight. All right. Let's see Let's see what you think about this, Graham. We got Acuna 1, mm-hmm. Dansby 2, sure. Riley 3, Olsen 4, okay. Darno 5, Contreras again 6, Vaughn Grissom 7, Michael Harris 8, and Robbie Grossman, nine. I'm good with it. So once again, no Ozuna, which is uh, it's a welcome sight. You know they they've seen enough. Yeah, and about time too. Like Contreras should be in the lineup every day. You see the momentum he gets when he starts, uh, you know, getting getting to a point where he gets consistent at bats. I mean, Ozuna has 200 more at bats than Contreras this year. He's only hit four more home runs than Contreras. Contreras has a higher on base, higher slugging. He's just all around better hitter. There's no any day he's not catching. He's the DH. Too bad. And vice versa with Darno. Too bad we can't keep that uh, Trump Chadwick Trump. Oh, he was huge. Yeah, that was he wild was huge. man on that game on he Saturday. Started. Yeah, he goes off, but they sent him back down today. Well, he, he got hurt too, though. Yep, he got hurt in that game. I think he went on the injured list. Um, but yeah, no, he came up and was absolutely massive in that in that Saturday game. I think the first game of the doubleheader. Um, yeah, loved loved what he did. Like three, or, I think he was like three for four. Had a couple of uh, RBI, putting together good at bats. Had a couple of defensive miscues, but he was great. You know, couldn't ask for more from your you know minor league catcher just coming in and having a cup of coffee for a second to help when uh, we needed somebody for the doubleheader when when Darno wasn't available. So what's crazy to me about that four game sweep in Miami? was the fact that three of those games were started by Bryce Elder, Kyle Muller, and Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson, who's at this point 
only up because it's a double header. Right. Uh, that is just huge to yeah. like, you know, save save those arms. And they all gave you like solid innings. I think Mueller went five, Anderson went six, and Bryce Elder was awesome. Seven innings. Went seven ten, innings, one run on ten, Sunday. Ten strikeouts, too, I think, or something like that. Yeah, really, where he had never had more than five strikeouts all season. Yeah. So, that I mean, granted, the Marlins suck at hitting, but that's where you can kind of get away with that and like kind of plan for the stretch run here is – if you're playing a team like Miami or just anyone with a lesser offense, we have these guys like Muller and Elder and Anderson who can come back up here and save Strider some innings, save yeah. Freed while he's recovering from this concussion. And, you know, that, that was just huge and horribly embarrassing for Florida that, um, you know, they got swept with us starting basically our Gwinnett Braves roster. Right. Well, at least from the pitching standpoint. Yeah, you're exactly right. So, here's an overreaction on on Von Grissom. Let's have an overreaction discussion. What do you, let's say he continues to play well. He's obviously not going to hit 400 the rest of the year. Ozzy comes back. What are you doing with Von Grissom? Are you DHing him? Are you saying him to left field? Are you putting him on the bench? What's your what's manager Adam going to do for this year? For this year, Ozzy comes back. Ozzy's healthy. Ozzy's being Ozzy again. Now that's going to be another couple of weeks, probably. But you know, let's say the decision's a tough one. Von Grissom's still playing very well. I mean, you're not going to put him in left field this year. Like he, I think he's only played maybe a couple games out there. That's just not going to happen this year. I think long term, that's a real possibility. Unless, of course, they don't re-sign Dansby, but that's that's to be seen. But if they for next year they resign Dansby, throw him in left. If they don't resign him, he's our starting shortstop. Sure, we're golden. But um, yeah, I mean obviously Ozzy's going to play. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think the the DH option is really all you got just to keep his bat in there. Yeah. I would be. I don't think you. Yeah, I agree with you. There, there's a part of me that wants to say, yeah, fuck it, put him in the outfield. But I agree that it could be a disaster, especially when you get closer to playoff time or in the playoffs. He's playing left field. We saw Evan Gaddis play left field in the 2013 in LDS against the Dodgers. And he didn't single-handedly lose game one. But we were only down like 2-1 or something in the third inning, and he misses a diving catch and like three runs scored because of that. And a normal outfielder would have fielded that ball well. Um, and the inning would have been over, and who knows what happens in that series after that. I don't want to see that again. So... For the sake of the defense, I don't think you can do that. But I do think DH potentially, potentially, um, because – but then it's like it's tough because then you've got Darno and Contreras, and there's a part of me that really just wants to say Contreras maybe should get the, the nod over Darno for catching. Better hitter. Can actually throw people out when they steal. And then maybe if Von Grissom's still kicking ass, he's your DH. You said Contreras over Darno. Yeah, I wow. think Contreras is having a better season than Darno. I don't think we've we've seen enough of Grissom to be able to declare him a better hitter than both of those guys. No, but I'm just saying if he's still hot, if he's still playing really well. Oh yeah, I mean if he's if he's batting 400, his bat's going to be in the lineup one way or another. Right. So that, that yeah, or even if he's not batting for, even if he's sitting like 320 or something, and he's he's still hitting for power and and, and coming up in these big situations and scoring runs, 
I mean, I don't want to lose that, you know, if he's if he's still contributing to that. I mean, we all we all know that major league pitching finds a way to catch up to these young guys, though. Yes, it does. But it might not be enough time for them to catch up, Adam. They're in August. Um, these are very very good problems to have, Graham. They are good problems to have. Hashtag blessed. Yes, very much so. Let's talk about your boy Mike Soroka, Adam. I know you have some big news there. Speaking of predicting the future, Graham, I believe that was just last week. I'm squawking about. Didn't we make some sort of bet on it? No. No. Anyways, I said he was going to pitch a game, possibly a meaningful game for us this year. And sure enough, tonight he is starting his rehab assignment in Rome, single A. So expectations are super low for him. This could just be uh, evaluate him, see what he's got for next year. You know, maybe do like a spot started September. Who knows? But it like fingers crossed for this kid. Like he's been through hell to come back from this double Achilles surgery, and uh, you know he. he his future was so bright, and I just hope that he can get it back because he was just so fun to watch pitch, and I, I would just love to plug him back into this rotation next year. Yeah, no, I wish all the best for him. If he can somehow contribute this year, if he if he goes out, let's say he goes out and has three pretty good minor league rehab starts, that puts us pretty much at early September. Probably want him to get some more time. I mean, he could come up at the end of the year. Maybe you throw him in the bullpen. I don't know. He's a weapon that you could have access to for the postseason in some shape or form. Yeah, have, have him be a, a long reliever, get some looks in the majors, see what he looks like. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, first first things first, get through this um, get through this rehab start, but it's exciting to think about. So that's, that's big news there. So we have, Adam, three more games against New York and then a weekend series versus the Astros at home. Um and then the schedule kind of cools off a little bit. Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Colorado, Miami, Oakland. Uh, St. Louis really being the only tough series there. So it's um, get through this week. Get through this week, and hopefully you put yourself in a good position where you're still in striking distance of, of the Mets. Um, but, uh, you know, it seems like that series against the Mets was a bit of a wake-up call. You got our asses kicked. Got your face dirty. You hit the, you hit the mat. Braves have gotten back up and responded. They've had some games where they've won where they haven't looked, you know, amazing, but they they've gotten it done. Ronald Acuna is definitely back. Oh man, hasn't that been great to see? Yes, he he, he chose to get back at the worst possible time for me because I was facing him in fantasy baseball last week and I lost. But I was very happy to see. You know, he's going with pitches the other way. He's hitting home runs, getting doubles, he's stealing bases, making good defensive plays in the outfield too. He had a brilliant play in the corner in uh, at Fenway where he fielded a ball off the wall threw a dagger to second and got a guy trying to stretch a single into a double. Actually, probably should have just been a, a normal double, but Acuna's hustle and the cannon of an army has said otherwise. So he's looking great, man. He's he's, he's uh, the, the approach of the plate is fantastic. I, I think we were getting prime Ronald Acuna back at the perfect time. Yeah, just double after double after double. And mm-hmm. you know those doubles are going to start turning into home runs again. Yeah, and he crushed that one ball in the Marlins series. Yeah. And he's just having so much fun. Yes, you can tell. And I think everybody's sort of been invigorated by these young guys. These young guys are doing, exa- like I said, they're doing exactly what the old guys did last year. It's just a new flavor. Michael Harris has so much swagger now, too. He was very quiet, very understated. He's got his little money celebration when he hits home runs. Made a great catch on a ball hit by Vogelbach last night. And he was just talking so much shit after he caught it. 
he pretty much like I don't know if it's gonna be a home run, but it's at least gonna be a double. He just jumped up and caught it, and he was just he was letting him hear it too. He was like, I don't know what he said, but you could just tell he was so confident in what he was doing, and it's like I am here to win. Screw everyone. And then Strider comes back after talking shit about the Mets last week and how they got a bunch of lucky hits. And, like, he backs up that shit talk. Right. Throws five strong innings, gives up the one run on that Acuna air, really. Yeah, and then he, uh, you know, had to wait for an hour of that rain delay. So, good uh, stuff, man. little concerning. I saw someone, I can't remember who that was, complaining about how Snit pulled Kyle Wright last week after only six innings. And turns out he's got a little dead arm going on. Uh-oh. So that's scary. That is scary. Uh, also goes to show... Generally, the manager's going to know a lot more about what's going on with the player than just looking at a box score. Well, yeah, but I'm glad, though, that there was a reason behind it because he was pitching well. And I was like, what the hell is he taking him out for? But, yeah, you're exactly right. They have a little more insight than we do. Yeah, there's a reason. So I think they're pushing him back at least. So that Thursday game against the Mets could be freed, could be right. We don't know. But uh, that's certainly scary for a young guy who's been a horse for you all year. Yeah, we're definitely going to need him if we want to be successful in the playoffs. Um, I still, you know, Strider's another guy that's still pitching really well. I think people are starting to figure him out a little bit, though, to a degree. He's getting his pitch count up higher than he usually does, not striking out as many guys. Um, people fouling off, you know, fouling off a lot of pitches. Um, so I think that's just part of a thing where he's going to have to start relying more on his off-speed stuff to a degree and mixing that in with the fastball a little bit, which we saw last night when he came back from the rain delay. He started throwing the changeup more, started throwing the slider more. He did a good job keeping the Mets off balance. And I'm okay with him not striking everybody. He doesn't have to strike out 10, 11, 12, 13 guys every time. But I, I don't want to you know, get into a situation where it's like he's in the fourth inning, he's throwing 100 pitches or something. You know, like something's got to get there. Yeah, and I think he, he's talked about how his goal is to go deep into games, so he's not trying to strike everyone out if he – if he can be Max Freed and pitch to contact a lot more. Right, right. He's all for it. So, Adam, other news with the Braves this week. Or today, we called up Freddie Tarnock. Uh, apparently a very highly touted prospect that, once again, I wasn't aware of until today. But he's one of the better prospects we have in our system, apparently. He uh, was in AA, where he was 2-2 two two with a 4-3-1 ERN, 15 starts. Then he was promoted to Gwinnett, 1-0, 2.03, ERA, and five starts. Um, not clear what he's going to be doing if he's going to be the guy who starts that Thursday game. Maybe Max Fried's not ready. I don't know. Um, or he's going to go to the bullpen, but he is up here. I think he's number he was like our number five prospect right now um, overall. So another exciting, highly touted prospect is being called up, and we'll see what he does. Yeah, I would imagine he's just going to be that long arm in the bullpen. They're kind of just recycling through guys right now to hopefully keep the main pieces of the bullpen fresh. Because right. I know Jansen worked a ton last week, so yeah. they need to stay away from him for a little bit if they can. So, But yeah, I mean, the bringing up elite prospect thing has worked so far, so let's try it again. Well, yeah, we got to trust uh, Anthopolis and his team. and <laughs> They certainly know what they're doing. Yeah, that's pretty much what's going on with the Braves, Adam. I don't know if you have anything else you want to hit. Another guy that got called up today is Ryan Goins, uh, more so a bench player. Nothing special in terms of his stats in like 221, 18 RBI. Wow, oh, that's because Adrianza is on the. Yeah, 
IL or yeah. something. So he's uh, we only have four infielders on the roster right now. So that's the reason this guy Goins is called up, expecting to be up here for a little while until uh, Adrianza gets healthy. So and, oh, apparently, Arcia is not actually out for the season like we might have thought. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Arcia, of course, he's out for a couple weeks where it looked like it could have been season ending. So I think the the man lost his job so far. It's certainly possible, but it, it is just crazy that we've had, like, how many teams could you lose your starting second baseman, bring in another guy who's been serviceable and kept you afloat, and then that guy goes down, and then once again, you have another guy who just keeps the train rolling. I like, always hate the uh, next man up thing to a degree because it feels like when the- it feels like that's always said in football, and it never works out for the Falcons because like the Falcons <laughs> just suck every year. But it's been like the adage this year for the Braves. It literally has been next man up, and so many people have responded. Um, very, very inspiring as a fan. And I really hope that this continues, like this race stays close. I don't want to be in a position, Adam, where we've got the wild card locked up, but we're eight games out of the division, and it's like September sixth or something i want to be fighting and scrapping and clawing until the end sort of like how we were last year trying to keep the phillies off our back and win the division like the last game of the season that's the kind of shit i like because we saw growing up man so many bobby cox teams and divisions locked up two months in advance people get fat people get complacent then you get your ass kicked in the playoffs I'm not about that, man. This is a new team, new new mentality. I want to be fighting and scrapping until the end because I think that just gets you prepared mentally and physically for the rigors of postseason baseball. And we know these guys know how to win the postseason. Obviously, they won the whole damn thing last year, but I just want to have that same mentality as last year. And they got Scherzer and DeGrom going the next two games, so like we really need to win tonight with uh, Charlie Morton versus Walker. Yes. But um, you know, if, if somehow we can win three out of four, you know, it's time to knock DeGrom down a peg. He's uh, come out a little too hot. A superhuman. He is probably, the when he's when he's right, he's the best pitcher on the planet. So the thing I'm, I'm disappointed in is we faced Scherzer a couple of times and he's kicked our ass. And we usually play pretty well against him. And he's yeah. definitely kicked our ass in the past, but it's usually been a balanced fight. Feels very one-sided right now. So I would definitely love to just wipe him out. It's just a, we're a different team at home. Like Yes, we're much better at home. Truist is just chaos the entire like monday night saturday night it doesn't matter it's a massive home field advantage yeah i mean we're 38 and 22 at home versus 33 and 24 on the road still a very respectable red record but you're right i mean at home we're just so much better all the more reason to hope that we can win the division i mean all, not obviously we want to avoid the three game first series that any wild card would be involved at least in. it's a three game series now better than a one game yes that I can't handle that stress. No, it's it's awful. Three games is like that's a series. That's fine. That's like normal. That's normal baseball stuff. It's yeah. normal baseball. You got to win a series. Yes, but um, you know I would much rather have a larger form of home field advantage. Oh, of course, of course. So um, we'll see what happens. I mean, the thing is, though, you know, if you are able to get that, if you are able to win the division, the good news is also, I mean, you'll be the two seed. I mean, the Dodgers are going to be the one seed more than likely. But you'd, you'd be that two seed. Like, the, the Central is nowhere close to where the Braves or the Mets are right now, record-wise. Yeah, the whole NL East is just, I mean, we're very top-heavy. Yeah. The Phillies are like a top-ten team. Yeah, no, they're really, 
I am very impressed with how the Phillies responded once they fired Girardi. And they lost Harper, and they just keep plugging away, man. They're, and they've been kicking our ass when we played them recently. I don't want to play the Phillies in the playoffs. They got our number right now. Last thing I want to do. We, we beat we won the last series against them. Did we? I thought they beat us. No, no, no. We, they won the last game of the series, but we won two out of three. Ah. Kicked their asses really bad one day as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if they bring – if Harper comes back. That's scary. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, playoff – I mean, we're getting there, Graham. Very close. The Braves currently sit at a 99.7% chance of making the playoffs, according to ESPN.com. So, take have, that for what it's worth. We have uh, greater aspirations, Graham. We certainly do. We have a title to defend. And I think the Braves are very much intent on doing so. And I just love these extended winning streaks. Seven games, 14 games, whatever, you know. It just, even though some of it's come against bad teams, and that's something that people have brought up recently, is that the Braves have a really good record against teams, you know, below 500, but above 500, they haven't been as good this year, which is true. However, you know, it's not like, I don't think we're incapable of beating good teams um, in any sort of scenario, regular season, playoff, you know, or otherwise. Even though there is nothing other than the regular season or playoffs. We know what I mean? Like, we have a good team. We can we can fucking do things. But it would be good to send a message to the Mets, win this series, and then be ready for Houston this weekend. This is this is definitely a gauntlet this this week overall for the Braves in terms of their schedule. Three out of four, baby. Let's make it happen. Three out of four, I like where your head's at. And take two out of three from those silly Astros and then we'll see where we're at. All right. <laughs> that is our show this week. We want to thank you all for joining us. We will see you again next week for another episode of Atlanta Zone, hopefully with more good news about the Falcons and the Braves. Hope you're doing well out there. Thank you for listening. As always, we will see you next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality soap. Hospitality soap.